Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Welcome, heralds and sages, to another episode of Phantology. This is your host, Ryan, joined by Josh, my cousin and friend. And we are here to discuss two more books in Cradle. They are books 9, Bloodline, and 10, Reaper. To recap, I have read these um, probably about six months ago now, and Josh just finished them, I don't know, maybe a month ago couple weeks yeah yeah a couple weeks a couple yep. weeks okay so i think for these episodes given the duration of time that has passed since i've read it i think josh maybe you should should lead some of these topics of conversation <laughs> since they're a bit fresher in your mind wow okay all right i can do that i think hopefully I still get lost in some of the details, I think, uh, especially yeah. this is the longest gap I think we've had between me finishing the book and us recording an episode, just the way it's worked okay. out. But yeah, I think we can do that. These books have been have been good. Um, overall, should we do overall impressions, I guess, for this kind of set of books? First, yeah. Or what? yeah, overall yeah. impressions and maybe spoiler-free thoughts. We usually do a spoiler-free section. Yeah, so spoiler-free, um, continuing to be solid entries. I do think that like what you were saying with, I'm forgetting which numbers, but kind of the, the tournament books. Those are seven and eight, right? Yeah. Or six and seven, seven and eight. I think seven and eight. I think uh, those so far have been my favorite entries. I think that they just have a lot, a lot of character development, a lot of interesting scenarios. The pacing is really well done. So I think that those are still at the top of my, my list for this series. But I think that this has done a really good job and like going back to the conflict that um, was promised at the start of the series with dealing with um, the dread gods and dealing with sacred Valley and helping his family and um, also fulfilling a lot of things that have been foreshadowed with the future of kind of like even the whole universe and kind of paying off some of the things that we, we got foreshadowed with the, uh, with the Abaddon and the, and the judges and stuff. So I think that this is juggling a lot and it's doing, doing so in a really, really well. Um, Sometimes maybe at the hindrance a little bit of like of pacing and character development, but it needs to be done and it's doing a good job of it. There's my overall thoughts. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you in that the uncrowned King tournament is a pretty pretty good highlight of the series so far i mean it's hard to beat there's just so much action we see a lot of our different characters um in in cool different fights and we see them develop their abilities significantly and just be tested in cool and new ways and that being said i i still really like these books um nine and ten they're a, a lot more focused on 
like expanding the conflict i guess all of them are really all each book expands the conflict greater and greater but now we're getting even more involved with the abaddon which is something i want to talk about when we get more into the spoilers that's something that personally was pretty cool for me and exciting just bringing that into the story more and more so even though i might not rate it quite as high as uncrowned king tournament and uh i guess it's uncrowned and winter steel i think are the names of the two books i think that it's close it's close to those for me i'd agree yeah i think i was a little bit less invested in the in the abaddon storyline just you know it's a little hard for me to get into those more nebulous kind of you know big powerful beings at war well, well, let's get into spoilers. But yeah, so yeah. we can talk more about this because honestly, this is kind of what I wanted to open up. So if you're listening okay. and um, you haven't read these books, then definitely turn it off if you don't want things to be spoiled for you. Yeah. And if for whatever reason you're up to these books and you're like thinking, oh, should I go on? Like, obviously, yes, you should go on. <laughs> these, are, yeah. these are good books. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. All right. Spoilers start now. So in your last review, I remember we had talked about how the Abidown conflict had still kind of remained or, or the this, this chapters in which we have like following Surreal or other judges. Um, they just kind of feel felt, I don't know, separated from the main story and you weren't really invested in them. But I think a little bit in Bloodline, a lot in Reaper that changes. So did, have you changed your mind at all or your opinion? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So not to like, I, I was pretty sure that Ethan was going to be one of the judges. It was going to be Osrael. Like, okay. I don't know at if what, I ever point like, texted you? that. Um, I think like for a while, I think yeah, for the last, last like few books, probably like when we, when he really started going on about how he like really knew things about the way and like, I, so I can't remember if that was like the book before or two books before, but like um, he definitely knew more than he should have, even if he had been tutored by, you know, whatever, the whatever. Tiberius Aurelius. Tiberius, yeah. Like he still knew way more than he should have known. And so I think that, that that kind of tipped the hand and just the fact that he had the, the bloodline stone thing, you know? Yeah. I My other guess, which was kind of more out there was that, um, Lyndon himself had was like reborn, like when it was Osriel like reborn or something. Yeah, he had like locked his memories. Yeah. Or, so yeah. those are kind of you know far you know pretty different guesses. So I'm not like saying oh I predicted everything, <laughs> yeah. but like it, it seemed like they were really foreshadowing that like oh where's Osriel? Where's Osriel? Where, where's Osriel? And then like uh-huh. oh you know like obviously somebody were following his Osriel was my yeah. thought. But it it does make me a lot more invested in it, obviously, because I, I have really liked Ethan as a character. So now I'm like kind of want to go back and reread all of those. Yeah, I, I probably started to suspect in these books, especially more when they were going through the labyrinth and you learn more about the life of Osriel. Although Osriel as a character seemed quite different from Ethan. Kind of. I mean, you get like the fact that he he started like the path, not the path, the, the like janitor path thing, you know, like with the the broom and the shears and stuff. And oh yeah, that's at true. first I was kind of confused. I was like, oh, this is is this talking about Ethan? And then I was like, oh no, no, it's talking about Osriel. 
and uh-huh. um, so that was that was one of those times when I. So you um, but but when you were kind of doing your spoiler-free section, you did say that the the Abidan section still remained a bit nebulous to you. So would you say you like them more, but still not as much as you? So think so you when should? I, yeah, when I said that they were starting to pay off things that they okay. um that they had set up with the um with the Abidan section, like that's what I was referring to. But I think that they still need to do more to really make me now care. And I will say I've, I've gotten a few chapters in and it seems like they are focused into um, book 11. Book 11 is, is Dread God. that Dread God? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I've gotten a few chapters into Dread God and it's already open like with Osriel, you know, like being with Ethan being with, there. With Ethan's still, viewpoints. Yeah. And still kind of being Ethan, but like now you get like a different side of him, you know? Yeah. And so it seems like they're going to keep you know, that, that your uh, care for Ethan is going to be really what invests you into now the, the whole Abaddon plotline, which yeah. I think, I think is needed. Okay. Well, let's, let's start, let's get into bloodline and start talking about some of the key events that you found interesting or noteworthy. So blood, bloodline is book nine, nine, right? Yes. So I, I've kind of in my head, I've kind of started to think about this as like as like four different trilogies in a sense. Okay. Like, you know, one, two, three, we're kind of like Lyndon growing. I don't know if it really breaks down, but like kind of book nine was like the ending of it felt like a lot the ending of Lyndon's he achieved all the goals he had set out to achieve in the sense right. that he had he, had, he defended saved, or yeah. saved Sacred Valley. From the dread god, dread gods, right? Yeah, multiple dread gods ended up, and he had, and not only that, but he had like, you know, come full circle with his family. He had um, become Mm -hmm. like the master. You know, he had he had started this new path. He had mastered a lot of the sacred arts. He had gotten, you know, him and him and Yaren seem like they're like pretty much now completely loyal to each other, and for the most part, like romantically involved. Like kind of all of this was wrapped up by the ending of book nine, you know? Yeah. But so it, it also kind of, introduces, yeah. I guess at the end, it introduces a greater threat. Yeah. So now it's like, now it seems like we're moving into like the final trilogy, book 10, 11, and 12 of like, okay, yeah. how are we going to like do this, this universe spanning threat um, of uh-huh. like the Reaper and, you know, all of right. these other issues. So what do you think about in book and bloodline we learn a lot more about this labyrinth and about this additional dread god or the original dread god i guess who's kind of the the source of hunger madra so i mean much of this book is really linden's quest through the labyrinth how'd you like that i think again i, I go back to talking about the first book how uh, will white does such a good job at creating these these like specific settings we go back to like Book one, with that being Sacred Valley, was it book two or three where they had the like training course set up where they spent like the entire time in the training course? That was book three, right? I think. Book Black three. Flame, yeah. And then, and then you get like the whole part of the world where they're where they get dross, like the shoot, I'm forgetting all the names of these things, but where they're in like the pocket pocket dimension thing, Ghost Water, Ghost yeah. Water. Like he does such a good job 
at all these settings, these like kind of smaller scale settings that he sets up. And this was Uh no exception. I think that the labyrinth definitely, you felt a little, you felt kind of claustrophobic the entire book in a, in like a good way. And like a feeling like, Oh man, like, I don't know what's around the next corner. I don't know if they're going to be able to get out. You get a restriction on their resources. So you really felt like they were having to conserve, you know, it's taking kind of these people that are now almost the top power level in the world and like restricting the resources and making them conserve how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's like the, the threat from the outside, like this war building kind of right above their heads. So I thought, I thought that this was all like very, very well done. The labyrinth. And I think that the setting is really what allowed that to all be done so well. It's, it talks about, um, it, it explains a lot about the suppression field, right. Around sacred Valley, which is, um, or, or was this in book eight? Um, I think in book eight, it did kind of explain it, but I wasn't too interested. It explained it, and it, but more so for book eight, it was that Yaren, it was like kind of really exploiting Yaren's like quick ascension to being a herald, you know? That, because, <clears throat> yeah. So that she was, was kind weakened of- weakened by the suppression field even more. Yeah. It felt like it was always in reference to Yaren being weakened is all the explanations yeah. we got. Um, and I'm trying to remember why exactly did they set up this suppression field? Was it to prevent the other dread gods from making it back to the the first dread god? What what do they call him? Shoot, the, not the it's like not the original, but it's like some some synonym. Subject but, one. Subject one, yeah, yeah. I think because subject one like was the kind of a tethering their life force or something, right? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. The anchor it was the anchor. And in order to defeat them, they needed to defeat Subject One, something along those lines. Yeah, something along those lines. It was all, you know, and I do get a little bit lost in the weeds of like, of kind of that history of what um, the importance behind Subject One is and and all of that. At, at some level, yeah. it does kind of seem like it's it's a MacGuffin type thing where it's like, oh, we're just going to, we need to get to the end so that we can get to the end and get this thing slash, you know, find this knowledge out uh-huh. but that that doesn't mean that it wasn't all you know done really well throughout getting there it was it was the i i think i'd go as far as to say it's like one of the best maze labyrinth type settings i've really read before you know yeah i can't really think of like a modern day maze labyrinth well, like, that i've read like harry I'm... potter harry potter has one in there like you get, oh and, and the goblet of fire the goblet of fire like maze runner okay. has that has it but i I, yeah. never, I think i just saw a few of those movies there it's like definitely a trope and you can you can think of you know like zelda has the mazes and labyrinths and stuff and yeah so i, I think yeah. i mean i'm not saying it doesn't exist i was just saying that i've read you bring up some good examples though i think that i, I liked your point because will white has created a world that is very accessible in uh, in different levels i think it's great for maybe a bit more of what you and i are leaning towards which is just like kind of a fun action-packed story with like cool characters awesome like abilities like these paths that they um that, that each character follows that are can be unique and different but also there's a lot of depth to the world which is i think surprising given given these books uh the lengths of them i mean they're not particularly long books so it's not like you're reading 1200 plus page stormlight archive books in order to get uh, you you can't you still can't quite get the level of depth that you can get in those of course um you don't 
you just don't have the time. But I don't think that it's lacking significantly here. If if you choose to look deep at these and make um I, I like you know subject one at dread gods at the connection between um them and the monarchs and uh, the abaddon like you can see all that stuff it's yeah. there yeah and that's where i kind of i'm trusting that the depth of the, is there you know what i mean like yeah. i haven't really gone you know diving deep on the wikis and everything to really get that depth for myself like to really yeah. i i still feel like i just trust what will white says will work you know what i mean like there's not that kind of leading me to like oh how are how is Lyndon going to use the magic system to get to figure this out it's just like uh uh-huh. he he just does i'm sure that there are people that are that level of into it and like really really trying to like know exactly everything that the magic system well i don't think does. it's supposed but, to be that type of magic system where you could have like a manual written based on what the author the context the author has given and how different abilities work it's there's too much for it to be written in such a way but that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't work or it's not magical in its own sense yeah i agree the other thing i was thinking with the map and forgive me uh, you can tell that uh tears of the kingdom uh came out recently but it does kind of feel and this isn't really a criticism it's just more of an observation but it does kind of feel like the the map is kind of just like an overworld type map and like they just kind of like go between like they kind of fly over it, right? And then, like, they're in, like, different settings. Like, I never really, in for most of the settings besides these specific places, I never really could tell you, like, oh, is it, like, foresty? Is there, like, a lot of nature? Is it, like, a desert? Is it an ocean? Like, a seaside t- type place? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of feels like until you get into a setting like this, Labyrinth is a good example. It's kind of generic feeling like you don't really feel like you know where they're at versus something like Wheel of Time where like you know you feel like you can picture the exact setting and the exact feel of every village and every town that they go to and you know what i mean like yeah. there's just it's kind of different feeling in in that sense yeah and i mean maybe it's how i read i'm not necessarily trying to picture the setting as much i'm not thinking about all of these uh all of the different details on the walls and what everybody's wearing and the fabric and how they're moving their hands I mean, there are certain people who probably really like to have that picture painted in their mind, and these books might not be for them. But now that you bring up Tears of the Kingdom, it's kind of, it's, it's a little funny. Spoilers for the very, very beginning of Tears of the Kingdom, like literally the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game. But Link Link's arm is replaced with the arm of like this, you know, this previously passed like being of you know some magical ability and it's similar to this where linden has his arm replaced so that's kind of a funny little connection that's true it, it is you know there it, it you do see a lot of these type of kind of similarities where link ju- just goes around and powers up and powers up and powers up until he's like the most powerful thing in the world and yeah just kind of one shot most enemies uh-huh um, but so it's kind of fun anyway but I, I okay. The other thing I really liked about this book is I feel like we've had Lyndon, Yaren, and Ethan have been have been strong. Like I've I've really enjoyed all three of their characters. Having yeah. said that, I feel like the other side characters in the series haven't been as strong up until this point. Like I think Mercy this book, and Zeal. Yeah, I think that this book Zeal kind of came out of nowhere for me. I feel like I feel like Will White kind of knew that he needed one more character in there. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And so I feel like now being in this confined place and, and, and characters like Dross and Little Blue and Orthos, you know, they, they stuck around and, and have done, you know, had interesting things happen with them and everything. But I feel like those non-human characters are kind of harder to relate to in a lot of ways than human characters, right? So I, I think that um, Mercy... is Mercy human? Yeah, I was I was meaning like uh, Orthos and, and Tross. Okay, okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they would be like considered secondary characters and stuff, but like they uh, aren't really human, so they're harder to relate to. Okay, but Mer- Mercy, Mercy and Zeal, I think were needed additions to this found family type approach that they're going for in the series. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And it's moving forward to like, okay, now there's a conflict with Mercy and like her family, her loyalties to her family, her lo- loyalties to Ethan and to Lyndon and, and stuff. So I think that this, that those additions to this book and making them kind of front and center in this book as well, really helped it. I mean, that's, that's why it's called bloodline, right? You know, I, I mean, that's or maybe not yeah. the whole reason, but that's I, well, part I think of bloodline it. was, because I think we've kind of skipped ahead. We we didn't talk a whole lot about bloodline, right? We've kind of, we kind of skipped over most of, I, I'm sorry. I've been more thinking about like the labyrinth and everything. Okay. Life. Well, so the ending of the ending of bloodline by Will White, I think ends with Lyndon basically winning control of the labyrinth over like Reagan Shen is trying to control the labyrinth and Lyndon basically yeah. wins control of it. Yeah. Sorry. I was also thinking about the book, book number nine though. Wait, that is, that is book number nine bloodline Reaper is book 10. Yeah. Reaper is book 10 bloodline is book nine. You're right. Yeah. But I'm trying to, I, I think that's the end of, of bloodline. Whereas, whereas book. Yeah. So Reaper is more like Reagan Shen and the monarchs are suddenly like threatened by Lyndon and his control of the labyrinth. Yeah. Well, okay. So sorry. Uh, book. So in Bloodline, that's when they evacuate, evacuate Sacred Valley. Yeah. And, and so then, that is, and, that is Lyndon kind of fulfilling, like you said, finishing up, you know, his main goal, which was basically to save Sacred Valley from the Dread God. Right, right, and and okay. I wasn't really thinking like uh, I know that Mercy is um, Mercy and Zeal do have roles to play in that, but you know they weren't super they weren't super interesting. But let let's talk a little bit about Bloodline because that was interesting when when Lyndon does come back and really faces his family and everything. I, uh-huh. I did want to talk about that. What was that satisfying to you, or what what did you think? Yeah, I mean, he basically comes and kicks butt, right? Like you expect him to, but he isn't able to do it for as long as I w- had wished, right? Because of the suppression field and he basically loses his Madra and isn't able to regenerate it. Yeah, I think that, so it, it was interesting as a reader because you do have a lot of pages between the beginning of the series and this point in the series, right? And so you you kind of saw this kind of abusive environment that Lyndon was growing up, right? Like you could tell his you know family kind of cared about him, but also like not not a ton. You know what I mean? Like they weren't really going out of their way to like protect him, right? Yeah. They were more interested about preserving their honor than like protecting Lyndon. Yeah, they were they were kind of putting all their eggs in the basket of like there's this his sister because she showed she wasn't an unsold. Yeah. Right. And so, so you get, 
you you kind of get this feeling that this isn't a great environment for Lyndon. And then, you know, you go throughout the series and then you're like, well, the world is kind of messed up here, right? Like this, you know, you would see, you would probably see the same thing happening in other places in the world, but yeah. it, other places do seem like they are a little bit more understanding of people that aren't just like amazing at the sacred arts, right? Like there, there does seem to be a lot of places where like people can just live their life normal, right? Without like these huge pressures to be amazing at the sacred arts. Well, I mean, yeah, there would have to be, right? But we don't necessarily see those that much because Lyndon is kind of like in the path of the sacred arts trying to be the best that ever was. So we're kind of seeing him compete with yeah, all the we, sacred artists. But I feel like we do see like kind of walking through some towns and villas. Like we, we do get some some descriptions of people like talking about how oh, not very many people actually study like the warrior arts. You know what I mean? Like uh, most people just like kind of study the sacred arts and in a sense that it like can help their lives. You know what I mean? Without yeah. like necessarily becoming the best. Anyway, yeah. my point is, is that like most other places in the world, it seems like Linden would have probably been able to like live a much happier like life than he was in sacred Valley. And uh-huh. so when we come back to really see that dang, that really is the case that like, even now that he's like super, super powerful, they're still treating him like garbage was pretty, uh, and he's like trying to help them too. Yeah. And he's like treating them like with kid gloves, right? That that was all pretty satisfying. And then like when he goes to the 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 elder or what like the first elder or whatever, and he's like he like counts how many times he could have killed him in like two seconds. That was super cool. That was a that was a nice little scene. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just think that there are a lot of these like kind of cool homages and payoffs to what we got in book one. That is one of like when it's done well it's like one of my favorite things where you know the the main character is like leaves on their journey and becomes you know like significantly more powerful and then you know returns to where they originated from and a lot of times they're like not even recognized because they're just so different yeah i I did think that that they still it was interesting that they that they still had so much even like hatred and like animosity for linden you know the, the the other, you know, kind of example that you would draw to this book, which I'm not going to say it, but like you get kind of moments like this in the Wheel of Time, right? I'm not going to spoil it because like I don't want to spoil, but like you get you get a similar moment kind of to this. I don't know if you, you know. I think, I think, I, yeah, I think, you think I know. You, but like at least with that one, like there, there was still like love there. You know what I mean? Like there was maybe some refusal to accept like um, how far, you know, that character had come, but like there's still like love. Versus this one, there's just like animosity and like hatred and contempt for Linden. Yeah. Which was so interesting because it, it seemed like all they cared about was power. But no, what they cared about was their power structure. And when somebody went out their power structure and became, you know, way, way more powerful than anybody uh-huh. in that structure, they immediately denied it. Right. It, it, he was an unsold. And in their minds, unsold never like amounted to anything. Yeah. Like it, it just defied their worldview you see the same thing with people today like if you know if if something does not fit into their worldview they need to figure out a way in which to kind of yeah to legitimize it and yeah you did kind of sorry my cat really wants attention right now (laughs) um you did bring up a good point where it was so frustrating to see like how Linden was treated in these in these instances and how he was 
basically like because they kind of go along with him and then they just like stab him in the back and betray him because they're just like no this guy he's not trying to help us like he he's he's like us right you know he if if he was so powerful he would just like take control or you know I or can't destroy figure. us even yeah like or destroy us yeah yeah and it, it was interesting that like almost caused the destruction of their entire clan right uh-huh. like, it, it almost prevented them from getting well didn't it prevent like a lot of people from being evacuated well if i remember right like a lot of people did die but then they were kind of like saying linda oh look Lyndon, look how many people you did save but that's when he was like no we're gonna go fight we're actually gonna go fight the dread gods yeah right and so i think oh, that they okay. did save most people because they went out and actually like you know, Lyndon was like, oh, I refuse to accept that that many people are still going to die, even though I did save, like, a good amount. Yeah. He was like, oh, no, and so they went and fought. And then there was also that one clan who, um, it was, like, the clan that wears, like, the iron armor, right? That, like, they just kind of followed Lyndon without, like... Zeal. That was Zeal. Oh, they followed Zeal without, like, much fight. They were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just go along with this. That, that scene was really funny with the kid sitting on top of Zeal's head. That, that was the standout scene. You probably don't remember. But I don't I remember it. Was, it. Zeal was in, he was kind of like, I always pictured Zeal as kind of like, you know, a little bit, a little bit tipsy, a little bit drunk, you know, like um, just kind of aloof to a lot of things. And then so he kind of goes in and like meets with the village elder and they, he like lets them put on this like shackle that supposedly is like going to bring him, you know, hurt his ability to like use the sacred arts and stuff. And then like um, he senses this person sneaking up on him. He's like, Oh, what are they going to try now? It's like their little like three-year-old kid. And the kid like climbs up and sits on top of his head (laughs) for the conversation. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was funny. Like I appreciate those kind of somebody who has a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yes, that like that honestly seems like Will White's kid like just came and wouldn't let it like just I don't yeah. know if he has kids or what like if he's even married or anything, but like yeah, it it just seems like his kid came in town on his lap and wouldn't let him keep typing, so he like wrote that scene. I don't know. Uh-huh. It was it was cute and I, I appreciate those uh those moments. Yeah. We don't necessarily I, one thing one comment I remember we got on our Discord is that we didn't really discuss like bloopers and I think the reason is because, like, I read the bloopers and I kind of get, like, I enjoy them, but, like, in the moment, but then I don't really remember them after I read them initially. Yeah, the bloopers, it's a fun concept to me, and but I'll, like, I'll read them, but sometimes I'll, like, honestly, before when I've, like, finished the book, unless, like, if I'm, if I'm doing something, like, if I need to go do something and it's just the bloopers, like, yeah. I don't finish them all the time, like... Oh, I'll kind of just like move on. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I think that's one of the things about having all the books available to me that like, eh, maybe instead of reading the bloopers, if I have like 30, like 20 minutes, then I might just want to get in and make it through the the intro of the next book. But yeah. 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 But think, it's a fun concept. It's a uh, yeah, I, it's it's new. I think it's great. Um, I think it would be something that might not be fun if like every author did it, but I think yeah. that it, it's it's like Will White's one of his things. And especially because he, he the series isn't taking itself too seriously. Yeah, it, I mean it's a, it's a serious series, and I I enjoy it. But like, if you had even even a series like the first law, which again I'm not saying that the first law does take itself too seriously, but like it wouldn't fit in a series like the first law, right? Uh-huh. Like, 
I don't think at least or like Game of Thrones like I don't know I don't know man bloopers in the first law would probably be hilarious just they would be just because of how how uh like tongue-in-cheek no Abercrombie would do an amazing job with them I feel like I would want like a blog post of of the (laughs) bloopers I but it would just be like gruesome deaths in the funniest yeah ridiculous ways yeah so let's uh let's move on to Reaper and Reaper is basically, like I said earlier, so Lyndon now has control of the labyrinth and the monarchs are suddenly like, he's a threat to them because of how powerful he's become. And so that this is like, I don't know, something that I didn't really expect to happen this early is that he would be on par with monarchs. So, so I think, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, what do you think about the shifting power dynamic here? I think it's personally, I think it's needed in in some sense. Like, I think that I don't want to wait until the last like 50 pages of the book of like this whole 12 book series to see Lyndon like become OP. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like I do kind of want that, especially because he's not even fighting. The thing is like the monarchs can't get the sense that that's not like what he's really worried about. Like, I think we're, you know, we're going to get book 11. I think we'll be taking care of the monarchs you've read it i'm still reading it but like at the end of book 10 i felt like okay book of Ele- book 11 hopefully he'll finish up like with the mo- monarchs deal with the situation on cradle but then they're really gonna have to go deal with like the whole abaddon conflict and and trying to figure out you know the um what's what's his face Darumon. yeah yeah the the mad anyway, king the mad king yeah figure all that out and so that's more of his like rivals now that i see him like okay now he's like needs to go you know get on get on level with with Ethan and I think to me I feel like uh, Lyndon almost has the power of like a dread god right like that's kind of what he kind of came away with the labyrinth of like the subject one like getting most of subject subject one powers and everything yeah and you you do get the idea that the monarchs are kind of all on power on level with the dread gods in the sense that like if they really wanted to like a monarch could probably take out dread god but then it would like I don't know could they it seems like if they really like it seems like they could maybe fight them to a standstill. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they, that's why they're like probably on like a power. They're on equal footing with it. You know, like a dragon yeah. could probably take out a monarch too. But like, uh-huh. it seems like they're kind of balancing each other out. Yeah. One thing we learn in Reaper is so at the very beginning of Reaper, Akura Fury, he he has just become a monarch at the end of book eight, and now he's like suddenly leaving. When I first read that, I was like, oh, this is kind of, it seems like almost just them writing him out of the story because suddenly the power was so much in favor of the, um, the Furies. Yeah. The, or, the, 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 Kura. the Kura clan, because now they have two monarchs and they just killed Sasheth Kunaz. So it's like they basically, and uh, yeah, they could just, it, it seemed like just an author's way of balancing the scales. But there's actually a reason for it. Did they talk about this reason in... I don't want to spoil anything. Did they talk about this in Book and Reaper? Yeah, I think so. That, okay. that they Because I think he swear... Yeah, I'm pretty sure this happens in Reaper. Maybe we shouldn't spoil it, just in case. But yes, we. I know okay. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, and Reaper, we learn... So we learn uh, in this I feel book, like we're I feel like we're subjected to the same oath that Lyndon's and subjected to that we can talk around it but don't want to say it oh yeah yeah that's true i forgot about that that it's an oath like it's the yeah the secret that they're not allowed to reveal to anybody yeah 
so in this book where we find out a lot about uh osriel who is obviously athan and his story and so i thought that was kind of cool he basically becomes like this you know he, he he's based he's peerless he like without peer like genius you know master of the sacred arts and he's also like you know inventor there's there's pretty much nothing he can't do and i don't this was i thought it was pretty cool to learn more about osriel and his background it wasn't something that i was expecting you know in book one yeah well we didn't even meet Ethan until like book three right well yeah but i mean you you learn about osriel in book one right oh yeah surreal's kind of surreal i think is looking for osriel you know that he's missing yeah i think that that's um i think that that's a really good point like i think that this is this is one thing where i do wish i would have been paying a little bit more attention to these uh these things and like I guess I just didn't really care too much about Azrael. Yeah. Like I didn't know. And and I think that this is kind of on purpose, but like, I didn't really know if he was like actually a good guy or actually a bad guy or like how much we should really, I guess, care about it. I mean, from the way that he was initially described, he didn't like seem like so much a good person. Like he seemed kind of, you know, just like, you know, a really powerful person. I guess that's a good point. But I think it's, it, it, I, I liked it a lot because it gives us like so much perspective on based on how Ethan is now. It's like, I think that Osriel kind of Ethan was, <clears throat> even though he could do like so much stuff, he was like, he, he's just been waiting so long for somebody to kind of come be his peer, maybe even his friend. And like that, ne- that didn't necessarily happen. And I think he's lonely, right? Yeah, And he just like really wants some friends who are kind of on the same level as him. And he's like, you know what, if if people can't do it themselves, I'm going to have to go back and help them get to my level. Yeah, so, which is, yeah, it does seem like a pretty lonely place to be. It's Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I guess we, we also find out about Daruman. I, I don't, maybe this was another kind of one of Osriel's failed attempts, but he tried to make the executors, right? These are the people that, they made to be like kind of a level below the judges and to go act on their own will and to like solve problems in lots of different places. Am I remembering that right? But they all sort of went, they became corrupted. Yeah. I seem to remember something about this, but I'm not exactly sure. I don't, I don't want to give misinformation about this. The important thing to remember is that Darumont was like the last one of these that was uncorrupted, but then fought this, this fiend and then they were worried he would become corrupted so they locked him away and then he ended up i don't know i think i was a bit more interested in this stuff than you were a little bit yeah i think it's probably good to get different perspectives here on on who liked what yeah this this is really one i do tend to check out kind of in these more meta uh conversations about about these kind of things nothing that it's bad it's just not really my cup of tea i think this is why it was hard for me to really get into malazan you know like i I read the first two and a half of malazan they kind of just tapped out because so it'll be interesting to see how um how our opinions differ going into both waybound and or i mean dread god you reading dread god and then waybound because i mean I like this stuff maybe a little bit more than you, 
so and and it's becoming more and more incorporated into the story i mean waybound is probably going to be we've learned that well actually i'm not sure uh, that might be a dread god thing so i'm not going to talk about it but i i, I assume that it's just going to be very very heavy especially in book 12 which which i'm fine with i'm to the point where i do want that okay so th- for for what it's worth i think mm-hmm. that um i think it's it's definitely earned that and I, I'd be to the point where I'd probably go back and try and find a snippet or something of somebody like um, putting together all the chapter or all those like sections and just going back and reading those. Cause I do think that I'm, I am now interested in what's going on with those. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, was there any other points to either book um, Reaper or bloodline that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, we kind of did those a little bit out of order because we talked a lot about like the labyrinth and the cool setting and everything like that. And then we went well, back. But, well, the labyrinth um, was the labyrinth was Reaper or no, it was Bloodline. The labyrinth was Bloodline. No, the labyrinth was Reaper. OK. All right. But, I was very confused on that. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think that uh, there. Yeah. Really, what I really want to hammer at home is that now I think that um, he stepped up the level of just being that the side characters are adequate to now the side characters are a or like a feature you know what i mean like i really like yeah. them and and i'm i'm actually care what's going to happen with like mercy and i and i want like <laughs> that to work out not in terms of like them having a relationship like romantically or whatever but like in terms of i care about what happens to her same thing with zeal you know what i mean like i feel like these characters are where yaren was at maybe at like book three where i'm like okay I, like you know hopefully like i like yeah. her hopefully she sticks around but so anyway so i'm i'm happy that that's that's really been stepped up i did like kind of dross's arc of of changing you know kind of sacrificing himself and then going into like these different stages of dross and so i think that that um has been well done uh-huh. and because yeah, we I, haven't I feel really like, talked yeah about dross at all yeah, that was one of those things like, okay, now we actually have some stakes because again, like still kind of a criticism is that like, it doesn't really feel like these books have too much stakes in the sense that like, I don't think Yaren's going to die and like, or Lyndon's going to die or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so Dross was one of those characters that I think that he needed to take some chances on and that I think, I think it's worked out well. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, just one more book for you to go until... uh you're ready for Waybound, which comes out in June, I believe, or maybe is is it July? Let's see, um, June sixth, twenty twenty three. Dude, so that's like two weeks, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Heck yeah! All right, so you'll be um, you'll probably oh, be caught up right before it comes out. Oh yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, let me check where I'm at with Dread God. I'm in chapter. Am I that far? I'm. I might almost be done with Dread God. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'm almost caught up. You were like, I'm just. A, I read a few chapters into Dread. So God. okay, full disclosure, <laughs> I was listening to it while I was doing uh, Breath of the Wild or, oh, or wow. Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, because that, that's kind of how I like to do it. Is, um, you know, like I'll pause it if I'm doing like a shrine or something that like needs my attention. But while I'm just kind of like exploring, it's kind of fun to have a have a book in. So I you're, think I played. Um, like, you're like double uh, doubling up on your free time. Yeah, yeah, man. That's that's what it is. So I think I played for like three hours one night, and I was listening, you know, like 1.5 or 1.75 speed or something. So I, I yeah. made some more progress than I think I thought I made that night. Okay. 
Yeah. Cool. Well, to you, the listeners slash viewers, feel free to give us feedback either in the comments or um, on our Discord, our Phantology Discord. We love to hear what you think. We love to hear your corrections too. <clears throat> um, and I'm gonna go before I die. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. yeah Talk to you later. Me.